Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Common Kaiser Show. And today I have a special guest today with us. Uh, we have Connor Seals with us today. Uh, Connor and I attend Cedarville University together. He is currently a freshman marketing major. Yes. Who is uh, set to graduate in 2022. So a few years from now, but that'll be here before we know it. Yep. Uh, Connor and I met, actually, we haven't known each other too long. We met back in February. Uh, I was mm-hmm. uh, in the field house prepping for a track meet my uh, broken hand and see this guy doing all these fancy hand tricks with a yo-yo and i was like oh i'll go talk to this guy and we had a good conversation then a few months later he remembered my name and we talked a bit more and well here we are today uh (laughs) connor is actually pretty decent at the yo-yo i mean i don't know if he would agree with that or not but i would say so looking at his record uh recently he won second in the 1a division which is the top division of this specific tournament is the pacific northwest regional yo-yo championship so to my understanding, that's a pretty big tournament, at least. Yes. Okay, yeah, as I, I'd say so. One of the biggest in the U.S. So Okay, so pretty big. Uh, Connor is originally from, is it Elgin, Illinois? Yep. El- Elgin, Illinois, at least according to his Facebook profile. and Oh, <laughs> and according to his Facebook profile, his occupation is that he's a fry cook at the Krusty Krab. Yep. I don't know if that's legit, but either way. So Indeed. welcome, Connor. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. So we'll start off with the warm-up. So... First question on our list today. What pets or pets did you have while growing up? Um, my first pet was a beagle, a black and white beagle that my parents got before I was born. And her name was Molly. And yeah, she was a great, she was our first dog. And we put her down. She was really, really old and really fat. And she oh, had a bad I'm back. So, and we sorry. had to put her down. She was, she was old though. She was probably like 15 or 16. Wow. So she lived a, a long time, but she was a good dog. And, uh, yeah, that was our first dog. Our family, are we're dog people. We do not like cats. So. No? Nope. <laughs> Alrighty then. Yeah, but that's my, that's our first pet, and we've had a series of dogs growing up, and, yeah, dogs are awesome. So. All right. Nice <laughs> to know. I, nice beagle. Uh, so, next question. What fictional universe would you like to live in? Um, a fictional universe I'd like to live in would probably probably be... The world of Harry Potter because Harry Potter, okay, why? Yeah, because nothing drastic is changing in the normal world, like the world we live in. Like it, uh, the world we live in on Earth isn't being disturbed very much, or it's not drastically different. I wouldn't need to learn new things. Like if I moved to like where Star Wars, like I don't know, if I went to a galaxy far, far away or something, I would have to live a different lifestyle. But if I lived in the Harry Potter world, I could like still live on Earth, and if I want to go to wizard school, then I could just like. Uh, go there and learn some cool tricks and uh, try to keep it concealed from the rest of the world. Interesting. All right. It'd be fun. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be interesting. Don't have to learn too much, but still unique. So next question. If you could turn any activity that isn't yo-yoing into an Olympic sport, what would you have a good chance of winning a medal at? Come on, not yo-yoing? No, no. (laughs) What would I have a good chance of winning a medal at? None. None? (laughs) There's got to be something out there. You do more than yo-yoing. But to win an Olympic medal means you're like one of the best let's, in the world. At let's it. be hypothetical here. Let's, okay. let's redo. Let's so change the something frame. that I'm like something quirky that I'm good at, like something else. Maybe? Or let's change the frame. Something you would like to win a medal at. So oh, let's oh, change yes. the frame. Yes, I would love to be in the Olympics in probably the 5K or. I pity you. Or the 10K or something. Like a di- oh. uh, some distance track run, oh, probably. Oh. Yeah. I-, I loved cross country and track in high school. And uh, three mile 5K range is like my favorite race. So. Oh, okay. I'm happy for you. I- anything <laughs> over a two for me, I'm dead. All right. <laughs> Next question. Fill in the blank. Bill Cosby is a man that I don't. No. You don't follow pop culture much or not much. Oh, he's a comedian, but anyway. I've heard of him. That's all right. I don't really he know. He he got into trouble recently. I was just curious. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so what are some small things that make your day better? Uh small things that make my day better is hmm. So in our dining hall in, at Cedarville, we call it Chuck's. Yep, yep. Uh, when there's bananas, that's a small thing that makes my day better because oftentimes bananas are not available. Hmm. That's one little thing. Okay. I, first thing I think of is food. But then uh, seeing a familiar face that I don't see super often and being like, whoa, hey, and talking to them, 
that's a small thing that makes my day better. Uh, getting a text or a card from uh, like my family. So like my mom sends me cards every once in a while, and that's really nice. And um, also getting messages from uh, yo-yo players from around the world, like uh, asking for advice on a trick or asking for contest advice or giving me compliments or whatever, whatever it may be, uh, I enjoy um, getting in contact with random people from around the world. So <laughs> communicating with people and bananas, mm-hmm. you would say. Okay. Yes. All right. Next question. As someone who competes in yo-yo competitions on a national and global scale, right? Global yep. scale. Okay. What is a stereotype you live up to from being in that community? People could say I have no life and that I probably spend all my time on that, which is somewhat accurate. Not that I spend all my time on yo-yo, but... How many hours a week do you spend on it? uh, Right now, not a ton, but in the next few months, I'll be spending quite a bit of time, probably two hours a day at least of practicing. Okay. Intensively practicing, not just like yo-yoing for fun. Okay. There's a big difference. (laughs) All right. So next question. If you were able to hug an animal that was a non-traditional pet, Mm. what would you hug? I would hug. I would hug a orangutan. Orangutan. Yes. Right. If if it was friendly and okay, because they could hurt me pretty bad. Snap your naggers. Yeah. Out. All right. All right. Next question. What job would you be terrible at? Oh man, I would be a pretty terrible counselor. Because oh god. Okay. I'm not. Why? So most counts like a good counselor is someone who's like really really sympathetic and can like pick up on nonverbal communication really well and can just like really sympathize with someone on an emotional level and I'm not very... Is that a criticism you've been faced with in the past or you just know that? Well, I have in the past found myself to not be considerate of other people's feelings sometimes. I'm more of like a logical, factual type of person who I see a problem, I address the problem, hmm. maybe not in the most yes. appropriate ways, and then I try to fix the problem. And uh, in other words, I would not be a good um, counselor because I would people would bring their problems to me and I would uh, not do, I would not be very productive at um, making, uh, making them feel good before I can help them because hmm. most people... Uh, the the emotion is more important than facts for most people. Oh, guess I'm talking to a fellow business major here. Am I yes. right? <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. Next question. What is the most annoying question people tend to ask you? Oh, probably the most annoying question is, can you walk the dog? Probably because... I mean, it's not that annoying anymore. Like but a physical dog, or like, mm-hmm. is that a trick? Yes, there's okay. there's an there's okay. an there's an old school yo-yo trick called walk the dog. It originated probably in like the 20s or 30s. It's where you spin the yo-yo at the bottom of the string, and while the yo-yo is spinning forward in like a forward direction, you roll the yo-yo on the ground, and the yo-yo kind of just like you set the yo-yo on the ground, then it kind of rolls forward a couple feet, and then you pull it back to your hand. And it was an old school trick. It took a, it took a bit of skill and control back then because yo-yos were really uh, hard to control. But nowadays, first of all, walk the dog. I could teach anyone walk the dog. Literally drop the yo-yo and then set it on the floor and it'll roll around. But also, yo-yos nowadays are more modern and more nice and like machined way nicer. And you don't want to scratch up your yo-yo on the floor. And nobody does walk the dog ever. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. No one wants their yo-yo to ever touch the floor for any reason. So <laughs> Interesting. All right. So speaking of questions... What would you say is a question about your life that you wish people would ask you more about that they tend to not? A common question that people ask each other, for example, at Cedarville, because I've spent a lot, a lot of time at Cedarville these past eight months, right. is people would ask like uh, what your major is or what dorm you're in or uh, just like very common ones like that. But maybe, maybe for example, a question I'd like to hear is like, um, are you enjoying your classes or like what are you learning about marketing for like so like I really love marketing and I love business so um, I think um, I think reflecting on like things that you've learned and things that are impacting you it's I don't know I think those are cool questions but pretty much anything out of the ordinary I'll take <laughs> I'm not All too right. picky nice okay last question 
Did OJ do it? Did OJ do it? Yeah. OJ Simpson? Yes. Yes. All right. All right, then. Well, thank you, Connor. That was the warm-up. I'm going to take a quick break so I can mention our sponsor, and then we'll be right back with the next part. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, We just heard a bit about uh, Connor from more of a surface-level area and some fun questions. Now it's time to dive deeper into Connor and uh, hear more about what he does and about him and what he aims to do. So I want to start off a bit about a a recent experience of yours. You recently uh, competed at a the Pacific Northwest Regional Championship Yo-Yo Tournament, or PNWR for yep. short. Uh, just, I don't know, tell me a bit about that experience. Like, how was it? Like, just well, general feelings. Wow, yeah, it was really a great feeling. So PNWR is a yo-yo contest that's held at Seattle, Washington every February-ish. And it's held, like, at this really cool place called the Armory. It's right by the Space Needle. It's, like, a really cool venue. And it's been held there probably since 2009, every year, uh, except one year exception. They had to change locations, but uh, it's been there every year. And it's been a very iconic yo-yo contest in America because it's the first yo-yo contest of the contest season, per se. So um, there's not a lot of yo-yo contests going on between November and February. It's kind of like a kind of an off season for players to make new tricks and work on their tricks for the next year because no one wants to do contests over winter break really i was gonna say so you mentioned this yo-yo season like we have our football season soccer season like what's the typical month range for yo-yo season yeah internationally um between the months of january and may you'll have regional state uh and like just like sectional like contests where for example in the united states uh between January and June, probably, you have all of the regional contests, which are like Midwest regionals, which I'll have in June, and then like PNWR, which is in February, and then like Mideast, which is in uh, June, and a few other regions, like big chunks of the U.S., and then and then there's also state contests that are kind of clustered throughout the year. <laughs> it's not very organized. In, in Japan, it's the same way. Um, every May, the Japanese National Yo-Yo Contest happens, and it's a really great contest, and Japan's a little more organized than the U.S., um, every single regional happens between like January and April ish. So it's pretty cool. And then, and then during the summertime between like July and August, you have, uh, you have us nationals in July. And then every August we have the world yo-yo contest. So interesting. Okay. So walking through the process, starting with registration. So what does it take for me to be able to register for this? Like, can I just go online and sign up or yep. do I so, need to be a member of anything or? Yeah, actually. So, Actually, it depends on the contest. So like for most contests, if you're an amateur and you've never competed before, you don't need to be a member of any league. Um, there's a there's always a championship division or like, uh, yeah, like a championship division and there's always like more amateur divisions. And to register for an amateur division, you can simply go online. A lot, some contests are free, okay. um, but uh, some contests aren't too expensive, especially for an amateur division. But uh, you don't need to have any particular skills or anything. You'll they'll give you your time on stage with whatever music you want to do okay. your performance, and that'll be it. So, um, but for championship divisions, you have to in the U.S. you would have to be a member of the NYYL, the National Yo-Yo League, mm-hmm. or also that's correct. Any yeah. international yo-yo con- yo-yo contests, you would need to be a member of the IYYF, International Yo-Yo Federation. Actually. I take that back. You don't need to be a member of that. I don't know, oh, either I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> That's all right. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm asking you. So. I don't know why I thought that. So, no, you don't. So, okay. So, some there's a registration. They're just kind yeah. of going in. So, tell me about your travel out to the tournament. You said it was out in Seattle. This was yeah. February 23rd. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's in the middle of the school semester. So, did you just teleport out there? Did you get out there for free? Like, how did that, like... Yeah, I got my whole trip paid for pretty much by my sponsor. And who's that? Uh, SF Yo-Yos. Mm. So SF Yo-Yos um, is a young company started about two years ago, and we've accelerated in popularity quite a bit in the past year or so, or maybe a year and a few months. And we have a lot of the top players on our team, uh, me and Kieran Cooper, who's the player who won the contest in Seattle. Uh, him and I got first and second, and we're both on SF Yo-Yos. And hopefully this year we're projected to be both of us in the top three at U.S. Nationals this year. So um, yeah, SF's got a couple, like a few really great players, and then we have a few like really artistic players who really dominate the marketing scene on uh, Instagram and things like that. So yeah, 
and we also make awesome yo-yos. <laughs> All right. So whenever you say like sponsor, like you know how we have teams, like mm-hmm. would you say being associated with a sponsor would be like a certain team in that sense? Or yeah, well, in in nature, competitive yo-yo isn't a team sport. Like, uh, is it kind of like how track is, where it's like every man for himself? But you're still kind of yeah. on a team. Yeah, you can kind of support so, each other. Like, yeah, for example, I'd like to um like beat kieran at yo-yo contests and he'd like to beat me sure. but it's less i guess um it's friendly competition. it's less salty for example it's just yeah it's just friendly yeah. competition yeah, you respect for the most other. part everyone respects each other for the most part so it's sure. not a big deal but yeah it's gotcha. teams uh being on a yo-yo team isn't uh, extremely relevant in competitive yo-yo just because it's an individual sport it's not really a interesting it's not not like a team sport okay so in your performance, you you had it said you had a song playing. Like, what was the name of that song again? Uh, the song was called um, "Mind Off Eliminate Remix." Didn't really have lyrics to it, but I was just curious. not really. No, it's so an electronic song. With that song, how much do you line up the song to your performance? Like, do you practice with that song and like mm-hmm. on certain beats you like hit? Because at one point I was watching, it looked like kind of like think like a paddle ball. You're like like it seemed like you were hitting that to the beat of the song. Like, do you? Are you get sick and tired of that song because you say mm. you practice two hours a day, so you hear the yeah. same song like a million times? Yeah, or? yeah, a lot goes into that. Yeah, so when I make a freestyle, I always choose the song first usually, and I kind of analyze the song very, very closely on like if it would fit my tricks and if the song has enough variation and like mood changes and like has the right tempo and all these things that I really want, and then I build my tricks around the song and try to. Um, choreograph the tricks to it so uh, Wade you said that you watched my freestyle and you noticed some music choreography if you were to watch the freestyle again like even more intently and just looked for the choreography you'd be able you'd be able to find even more spots mm-hmm. like I try to put a lot of work into choreographing as many trick parts into a song as I can so yeah mm-hmm. I mean yeah I do get sick of the music usually but <laughs> this song in particular I actually really liked and I don't ever remember getting that sick of it which is nice. Well, that's good. But, <laughs> would you would you use the same song again? Or? No, I don't plan on using that song again. It is an excellent song and I could do really well with it in the future but I always try to use I try my best to use different music at different contests that's fair. to keep it fresh for the audience and for the judges because if the judges Are the same judges at every tournament? Uh it can alternate so for example, at U.S. Nationals this year, a lot of the judges who judged at PNWR will be judging there. Maybe not a lot, maybe a handful. And, I mean... Yeah, you want to shake it up. You don't want the judges to expect what you're going to do, per se. That's fair. You kind of want it to be new in their own mind, so they judge more... They judge a little more biased towards you, in my opinion. That's fair. So, like, if something's new and, like, shocking to you, you might inflate your score a little higher because you've never seen it before. And if it's been there, done that for you, and if a judge has already seen the performance, then they might score you a little lower the second time. That's fair. So the specific yo-yo you use, is this, I see you brought a yo-yo with you today. Yeah, I have a yo-yo on me. Is it's, that the specific yo-yo you use in competition? What's the name of this It's not. One? Uh, this yo-yo is kind of a joke yo-yo. This yo-yo is called the L, like take the L. Okay. And it's named off, it's based off of a yo-yo called the Bliss. And the Bliss is the OU I used at PNWR, except it's my version of the Bliss called the Bliss CS. Your version? Yeah. Like, did you... I modified the Bliss. So, like, okay. <laughs> there's a bit that goes into it. So, the Bliss is a bimetal yo-yo, meaning that it's made of two metals. It's made of an aluminum body with stainless steel rims on the outside. Okay. It's more dense than aluminum, so it adds a lot more inertia and rim weight to it to make it, like, spin even longer. There's a lot more that goes into this than I thought. Okay, oh, so there's a different inertia. Yo-yo design has a lot of science that goes into it. And... So the Bliss was 64 grams, and that's a little light for a competitive yo-yo, and I wanted something a little heavier, and I bumped it up to 65 grams, which doesn't sound like much. It's literally like a 2% increase, or like less than 2% increase in weight, but it really felt like a huge difference to me, and I felt more control with the yo-yo. So I have my own version called the Bliss CS with my initials on it, and then SF made a mono metal version meaning just just an, metal. just okay. an aluminum v- okay. version of the bliss and we call it the l because we take the word bliss we take 
the SS at the end of Bliss stands for stainless steel. We took the SS out, okay. and then we took the BI out, the BI for bimetal. So it's L. It's just the letter L. Wow, okay. <laughs> and it's so also it's... called the L because the yo-yo turned out to be way lighter than we wanted it to. It's like 59 grams, which is like oh. an extremely light yo-yo. Okay, interesting. <laughs> so it's I it's think... the L, but it's still a fun yo-yo. First so. when you said L, I was like, like loser? Or... Just the letter, a, a capital L, L is what it's called. <laughs> All right, then. Nice. So now that we're, since we're on the topic of gear, I'm awfully curious. When I saw you practicing one time, you were wearing a pair of gloves yep. and even in your video. So yep. what's the significance of wearing gloves? Yeah. So most players who wear gloves will wear gloves for the purpose of uh, having more of a consistent feel on their hands with the string. And it also protects your skin a little bit from string burn. So okay. if you yo-yo really quickly, this, there's a lot of friction. <laughs> you fair. can, uh, like, you might not see it as well anymore, but you can get some pretty big calluses on your fingers. Hmm. And for me personally, I mainly use gloves because I have like sweating issues with my hands mm. and I have like hyperhidrolysis and my hands like get clammy and sweaty when I get, uh, not, not necessarily even that nervous. Just like when I'm put in like a Still. fight or flight situation or something, I don't know. My hands get sweaty and it makes a huge difference when you're yo-yoing. Like I can't, I can barely yo-yo when my hands are sweaty. I suck. <laughs> so wearing the gloves kind of just like covers that all up and it makes it feel really seamless and nice for me. So the gloves are made of nylon. So they're really tight and really stretchy and they just really form fit your own hand. So you can still feel the string really well. Are so they expensive? No, not, well, they're kind of expensive. They're like 10 bucks 10 a pair. Bucks, okay. So, and that you can burn through a pair in like a month or so, but so not, okay. not a big deal. And do you have a specific place you get them from like Kohl's or JCPenney? No, or? These, <laughs> these gloves aren't designed for yo-yoing per se, because the yo-yo market's not that big and no one feels like making yo-yo gloves really. Okay. It's kind of, it's a glove that uh, yo-yoers found on the market to be just really, really good. <laughs> Is it from a company named Rewind or? Gotcha. Yeah. I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah well rewind doesn't make the gloves rewind buys the gloves from stock off of in in bulk off of some some like supplier it's a japanese supplier oh okay they make these gloves for whatever purpose i don't know what it is but they they work really well for yo-yoing so okay. rewind is the main people that buy it out yo tricks is also another company that buys out these gloves but like yeah it's they're known as new feeling gloves in the oil community and they're pretty good. Most people who use gloves use those ones. Interesting. They're pretty nice. Okay. So now I want to talk a bit more about the tournament in depth. Uh, <laughs> so there's a, you're in the one, a division to my yep. understanding. That was like the top dog or for sure. They had a description of different. There's five divisions I saw. Yep. There's some descriptions on that, but I was like, yeah, well let's focus on your division. So yeah, the, there was a prelim and a final uh, yep. prelims. The judges judged based off of, I saw execution control, choreography, and body control. Mm -hmm. um, finals, I saw, looks like there was more. Execution, control, trick diversity, space use, slash EMP, whatever that means. Choreography, construction, body control, and showmanship, eight things. So do they judge based off of more things in finals and yes. prelims? or? Well, you're missing the most important part. So uh, the score sheet, he... Uh... Wade, I just found Wade, some online. Yeah, Wade, so. This is the score sheet, and Wade just named all of the evaluations. So for every contest, the evaluations will be 40% of your score. So everything Wade just mentioned is 40% of the total score. All right. um, the thing, the number that's right before all the evals are called um, technical execution, which is a number from 0 to 60, which it's a measurement of your ov the overall trick difficulty over execution. So... Let's pretend you have a very high difficult set of tricks. Let's say you have very dense, like very fast, very dense, a lot of really hard tricks. Let's pretend you hit 80% of your tricks. Um, your score will be relatively high, but maybe not the highest. And let's say someone has a slightly easier trick set. Let's say the score potential is maybe 10 points lower or something, but he hits 95% of his tricks, then his score will be much higher. So it weighs difficulty of tricks over execution. And so it's a little complicated, but um, in any competition, uh, you'll get a final score anywhere between zero and 60. And it's a finalized, it's like a, it's averaged between every judge. So like, yeah, that's okay. the way it is. So like in finals, I got a 54.6. So Okay, so difference between... I guess prelims and finals. You placed seventh in your prelim, but yeah. got second in your final. What mm -hmm. what changed here? Did you do something different, or oh, yeah. what happened? <laughs> well, um, a lot. It's actually pretty funny. So, like, 
I could have gotten like top three in prelims pretty comfortably if but. I wanted to, but I actually didn't want to place very high in prelims because in finals they the order of competitors, so like who goes in which order on stage, um, they play the prelims in reverse order. So they want whoever to win prelims to be the last person to compete because he's obviously the best because he won prelims. And I always like to I always like to compete before my competition because I don't like watching the players who could beat me and then feeling like, I don't know, messing with my head or anything. So mm-hmm. I in preliminary rounds, I want to be able to make it to finals. I want to make it past the cutoff, but I also want to be snugly in the middle or maybe even closer to the cutoff <laughs> so, I can, so I can try to be one of the first people on stage so I can set not only not be distracted by my competitors, but also to set the bar really high. So like... I was really happy that I got seventh in prelims. That way I got to compete before Chandler Steele, Remy Baskin, Luke Trotwine, Colin Beckford, Kieran Cooper, and Yuki Nishisako, all very good players. And Yuki Nishisako is currently ranked third in the world. So there's a lot of really, really great players there. And to be able to set the bar really high and do really, really well and have my score go high, it might influence those people's scores to be even lower because the judges will be comparing them to me. Interesting. So, so you sandbagged in the prelims then. So like, how did you go on in? How do you huh. determine like balance? Cause obviously there's a degree of balance that you need to have. Cause if you do too poorly, I you're not going to make the cut. Yeah, so how, yeah. where do you gauge that? Like, did you know your competition beforehand or like, yeah, what's the I knew deal? my competition and I also knew they were going to take like 15 to 17, people to finals which is a pretty good number and usually I kind of study the patterns of the contests and I kind of look I kind of look like how good was the player who barely made it like who barely made the cutoff to finals last year and the year before and I kind of like um I kind of like notice the patterns there and I just try to make a freestyle that's good but not like outstanding so I make a decent freestyle and if I start if I ever did start to mess up really badly I would like take it seriously and do the next 20 30 seconds like my highest scoring stuff or something but for the most part i wasn't super scared i'm at a level where i can kind of chill on stage and make it to finals in most contests so i was that's what i was kind of predicting to do now does it do other people have this specific strategy or no, no. <laughs> i don't know of anyone who does what does, i do <laughs> does anybody else know that you do that or uh no I've only told a few yo-yoers about that. Interesting. So I should probably cut that part of this interview, right? <laughs> it's fine. I don't think many yo-yoers will listen to this. Oh, yeah, Unless I share fair. it. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Um, so going off of that, you moved up from seventh to second. You didn't place first. So this nope. man you know, Kieran. Yep. What do you feel like he did that got him first and you yeah. got second like I don't know, i'm just curious what your yeah. thoughts are on that i think the main thing that uh put kieran in first place is his tr- his tricks as a whole are more seamlessly connected to each other and he la- he wastes less time not yo-yoing so if you so there's a term in competitive yo-yo called dead time and that's the amount of time during a performance where you're not doing yo-yo tricks. So, um, Kieran overall had. So when I say trick, a tr- when I say a freestyle is dense, that means you're doing a lot of yo-yo tricks and you're not spending a lot of time not doing yo-yo tricks. So overall, Kieran had a more dense trick set, meaning like his tricks were connected in a better way, and he yo-yoed a little faster at times, or um, just the trick composition overall was a little more seamless. And there were parts of my freestyle where I would have like a big trick and then a little bit of break and then a big trick and then a little bit of break. And I tried to have dense parts. I did for sure have some dense parts in my routine, but overall Kieran just like jam packed a lot of tricks in his performance. And he also had less mistakes than me. So he overall had maybe a couple more tricks than me, but at the same time I had 11 misses and he had about eight or nine misses, which can be can, which big can be it can yeah. it could be a big difference yeah sure. in high level competitions so sure. interesting okay so now that we've heard a bit more about this tournament def we have a general understanding of what to expect at a tournament or at least a championship tournament so why why get into all of this like is there oh someone you looked up to or like what oh. where did this all begin oh yeah well pff, a lot goes into this so just to keep it brief basically i got into yo-yoing summer of 2010 so it's been almost nine Nine years years, now 
and um, a friend a friend introduced to me a basic wooden yo-yo that just goes up and down and I um, was for some reason intrigued by that toy and I just played with it for a couple weeks and I don't know why all I knew was how to throw it down and up and then throw it forward and catch it in front of me so I would throw it out and catch it so those are the only two tricks I knew and I did those for like a couple weeks and then I had a friend at my school who had a, a little bit nicer yo-yo just like conveniently and was like oh yeah and he could do like one or two more tricks than me and then I wanted to learn those and then went to Toys R Us and found that brand of yo-yo the Duncan yo-yo and found like yo-yos with ball bearings in it so it could spin longer and then I somehow stumbled into yo-yo videos on on YouTube and I started I started right away watching yo-yo competitions and I was able to watch like players like Hiroyuki Suzuki four-time world champion from Japan and players like uh, Jensen Kimmett who's the 2010 world champion he's he was one of my biggest inspirations and yeah I mean being in, I saw competitive yo-yo and I was like whoa I want to be able to do that someday so I started uh, the marketing worked on me. I bought some <laughs> modern yo-yos, some metal yo-yos, and I started uh, practicing and started learning a bunch of advanced tricks. And it took a few years to get particularly skilled, but mm. it, it probably took about two years where I got to the point where I could actually like compete and uh, be a decent yo-yo. <laughs> Interesting. But it took me six years to win my first contest. Interesting. So... so- you don't do you have any family members who also heck no <laughs> how did, how is your family along this whole way like i assume they were pretty supportive or yeah were like what I think... are you doing at first like, <laughs> what, what happened yeah well when people first hear about yo-yo competition they kind of might associate it more with like a a childish thing okay or they, they when they hear it they don't know what the heck you're talking about that's why i don't like to tell people about my about my yo-yo competing without showing them <laughs> so i encourage anyone who's listening to the podcast to just look up connor seals on youtube and just watch some stuff and then you'll get a better idea of what i'm talking about but like um my family has been really supportive growing up i remember i was 12 years old when i qualified to u.s nationals i didn't make it to finals but i was in the prelims at u.s nationals and you have to get a seed you have to be qualified to it so i mean that was cool and um yeah they were really supportive my dad was generous enough to fly me out to some con- a few big contests and stuff uh he doesn't need to do that anymore because my sponsors helped me out but yeah my family's been pretty supportive in that sense but it's always a little weird to tell people about like i'm a pro- i'm a professional yo-yo competitor kind of sounds weird you kind of have to give them some context whenever you tell people about it yeah, but. no doubt so wh- how would you say your participation in professional yo-yoing how would you say that has affected your relationships with other people specifically back at home because here on campus you've done it for all your time here so we already know but back at home was there mm-hmm. like i don't know did anything change with that or hmm well i'm kind of gonna take the question in my own way i guess um I'm just going to talk about the way yo-yoing has affected my personal life and like the way I interact with people. So like there was a time, there were probably a few years in my life where I was completely obsessed with yo-yo and I, um, I had a yo-yo on me at all times, literally at all times. And I would, let's say if I, I would use it kind of as like a social support thing. And I would like, if I didn't feel comfortable or if I felt awkward or whatever, I would pull the yo-yo out and play with it. And it sounds kind of weird, but it I kind of relied on it emotionally in some ways, which is kind of weird. And yeah, so there have been times in my life where I've been less social than I should be. And I should like just kind of put the yo-yo away and talk to people. So that's happened. And my parents have pointed it out to me in recent years and I've been trying to fix it. And like for the first like two months of uh, being a freshman here at Cedarville, I left all my yo-yos at home and I didn't bring a single yo-yo and I just like tried to make some friends and be normal <laughs> just for a little bit, mm. uh, just to work on social stuff. So yeah, it's kind of odd, but I have my yo-yos back and I try to regulate like how often I think about it or do it. But yeah, So most people struggle with like drug addiction addictions, <laughs> but Connor here has got his yo-yo. It's yeah. still, I mean, it's a, it's, I mean, it's, it's something really you're... relaxing. Yeah, it's sure. really fun. It's a stress reliever. It's got that dopamine bursting. Like when I make a new trick or if I'm practicing a good sure. trick or something, it's like, really uh really um rewarding in my mind and yeah it, it can it, it has addictive properties i'd say sure i mean anything you're good at it's hard not to love it <laughs> so would you say that you identify with it that i don't know like if someone say that yo-yo guy like would you say that mm. your ability to perform at this is 
a bit of your identity. I, I'm yeah. just curious, touching on that, like for what are your sure, on that? a huge part of what bothered me a little bit about competitive yo-yo was how it affected my identity and the pay pe- the way people address me and view me. And like back at home in Elgin, Illinois, um, I have such a huge impression as being the yo-yo guy, the yo-yo guy, because I've performed, I've done dozens of performances in my area and I've done performances in front of really big groups of people. And like, like throughout school, I would yo-yo a lot. And I just, I just had a lot of people that kind of knew about the, the yo-yo guy from Elgin. Like Hmm. many, there are probably hundreds of people from back home who know, who would see me and say, Oh, that's the yo-yo guy, but not even know my name and don't know anything about me, but that. Hmm. And uh, it's, it, it happens a little bit at Cedarville too. I don't yo-yo as much in public, so thankfully it's not the same, but it's pretty crazy actually how how much people identified me with yo-yo because like in their mind, hey, that's a cool thing. Like they don't see it the way I see it. They're like, whoa, this guy's like a crazy yo-yo guy. I'm just going to call him yo-yo or I'm going to be like, hey, yo-yo guy or something or whatever. But so is that a good or a bad thing? I personally would rather have you not address me as the yo-yo guy, but if you are addressing me as the yo-yo guy, then that's partially my fault. <laughs> mm. I should have maybe not had the yo-yo out um, at that particular time that you. Interesting. But I mean, it's unavoidable yeah. <laughs> if you were to ask me about my yo-yo stuff, yeah. and I showed you, and then you're intrigued by it, and then you're like, "Oh, I'll just call him the yo-yo guy." <laughs> Interesting. I mean, it, it. At the end of the day, you're the one who's choosing to call me that, and I don't really, I don't really mind that much. But I'll just stick with Connor. How about <laughs> that? That's cool. So, with all this, is there any specific ways you balance it all, or? Mm. well i don't i'm not i'm not a super organized human being so i don't have very specific ways that i balance it but like when i'm when i'm practicing for yo-yo competitions i like to i mean when i'm practicing intensively for yo-yo contest i'm constantly thinking about the contest which probably isn't good even though i spend like a couple hours a day practicing i am spending a lot of time just thinking about it (laughs) and yeah I'm, i'm not like I'm not the best at time management or any of that. I'm trying to get better at that, but overall I'm not super organized. So I guess if I was to ask you the question, like, I don't know if there's any ways you feel like you get in the way of your own success, would you say time management or would you say Mm. there might be something else? Or I guess what ways do you feel like you would get in your own way? Yeah. It's really interesting. Like I have a bad habit of kind of lying in myself in ways where I, tell myself that I'm going to accomplish something or like, I'm going to do this task. It's just like a, it happens to, it happens to regular people all the time where you tell yourself, I'm going to do this assignment or I'm going to do this errand or I'm going to do whatever. And you tell yourself you're going to do certain things and then things get in the way and you're like, well, I'd rather maybe do this. And you make compromises in your mind. And that's kind of something that happens to me. Like that's a stumbling block to my own success because I have the potential to win pretty much any yo-yo contest I want to if I put in the work, but um, little compromises like, oh, I can wait a little longer to start working on this performance or something can make negative effects on yo-yoing and on my time management in general. (laughs) Interesting. So earlier you mentioned something about people seeing in public calling you the yo-yo guy. There's obviously Mm -hmm. that image of what people see. what is something that you might be afraid people might see when they look at you? I don't know if I can answer the question because I'm not really afraid of... I don't care so much about the way people think of me to the extent where I can be afraid of something, <laughs> of the way people think of me. Like, I would I would be concerned if someone saw me in some really, really negative way, but I wouldn't be like... Hmm. I wouldn't really care, Interesting. honestly. Okay. No, I was just curious. So with all this, do you what like career-wise, do you plan on performing hmm. for a career or? Um, no, I don't because, well, first of all, yo-yo performing. So being going to like birthday parties or performing just for people who don't yo-yo. Um, okay. There's a pretty decent marketplace for that. Like for, you could think about like a clown for circuses or something. <laughs> That's a really bad example, but like it's professional, okay. professional jugglers. Picture like a juggler who goes to like, big conventions or fairs or something like there are certain performers in these um in these like fields where they can get paid a lot like i know a friend who i know someone who performs yo-yo for a living and sends all his kids to college and dazzling dave yo-yo master (laughs) he uh he he can get like gigs for like 300 400 500 dollars for like an hour or two 
performing. So it's pretty cool. I mean, Interesting. I, I, I can see myself for sure doing some performances here and there in my adult life, but I'm probably not going to pursue like Interesting. yo-yo very much <laughs> as a career. So in terms of careers, um, you're in college right now. So yeah. going down that road now, why why come to Cedarville? Like what is at this university that you saw? Um, I mainly went to Cedarville because, um, first of all, I love the, the Christian environment and I love the biblical integration of the classes. And I really loved just like the, the culture of Christianity and how, like, I don't know how wholesome and pure a lot of the people here are. And I love the speaking in chapel and I really, really care about doctrine and about the Bible and about having, yeah, having those things in line in a college. And I mainly, like, I mainly learned about this place because my oldest sister, Lindsay, goes here. She's a senior. And mm. also my older sister, Kelsey, came here for three semesters. And so I was, uh, I visited here multiple times before I even decided that I wanted to come here. But I've always known that I kind of felt at home here, so. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so I was going to ask if you had any parents or siblings who came here, but you obviously yeah. touched on that. I have three sisters, two older and one younger, and my younger sister's probably going to come here as well. So Is she graduating soon? Or? Yep, she's a she's a senior in high school, and she'll be here yeah. next year probably. They grow up so fast. <laughs> yep. Okay, so, and you're studying business, business marketing. Marketing, yep. And then, of course, you have that Bible minor. Why why marketing? Is there certain hmm. inspirations you have? Yeah. Or? yeah, so the main reason I got into marketing is because of my dad. So my dad is a very, he's a very successful entrepreneur and businessman. And he, out, right out of high school, started a sales job with Cutco, so selling knives. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are familiar with Cutco. A lot of people might have really bad perceptions of Cutco as like their <laughs> their marketing campaign and like, the way Cutco employs people is they'll literally employ anyone and everyone right out of high school and give them some knives that they have to pay for. Did like, they employ for, you come out of high school? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I actually went to them. I was one of the few people who actually wanted to work for Cutco and kind of like mm. approached them instead of them approaching me because like they send letters and emails to like every, almost every high school graduate in some areas. <laughs> and. Mm. Uh -huh. But my dad was really skilled at selling Cutco and he became a like division manager of Chicagoland and like worked there for like 14 years. And I really wanted to do that because he's told me that like sales is really challenging. It builds a lot of character and it builds a lot of marketing skills and like being really good at sales is just like very foundational to a lot of business skills. So I wanted to try it out and I ended up really loving it. I had a great summer. Um, I sold a decent bit and it was really, really fun. And I was like, whoa. It's a really great job. It pays really well, and uh, it's a really good experience, and it's just fun. So, <laughs> and you get to run your own schedule, and there's no limit on how much you can make, and so it's a lot of, it's a cool job. I like it. So mm, that so sale selling Cutco <laughs> sales kind of like drived my love for marketing because we learned a lot about the science behind um, selling things and presenting your idea or your product or your service or yeah. whatever it is, and I got really good at asking people for things. <laughs> Interesting. So how does because you said you did had a job in sales in a sense some could argue that you could just work your way up from there and not maybe i don't know maybe go to college so how does a degree in marketing fit into all of that um i'm actually not entirely sure what i'm going to be doing out of college that's okay all, neither all, do i <laughs> well all i know is that having a marketing degree or maybe even a master's in business is like very very uh beneficial and really helpful mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah. business is business is the core of i mean if you want to make money business is the way but like i'm not saying money is what it's all about but i just enjoy business it's like very foundational to our country it's really cool so sure. i like it all right so and you mentioned your father is an entrepreneur yep. or indeed yeah. so how does was he he used to work at cuckoo he still mm -hmm. works at cuckoo and is it not like well his... technically everyone who has been employed by cuckoo can still work for cuckoo if they want to but no yeah <laughs> he hasn't sold a knife and probably 10 15 years now <laughs> but he's an entrepreneur because he he's he's an innovator he like has really great ideas for things and he doesn't he tells me all the time like connor stop looking for ways that you can't do something and look for a way that you can you got to find one way of why you can do something and to, like chase that and like he started a publishing company in 2004 
and it's now grown to be a very, very uh, great business, N2 Publishing. So it's like the letter N, then the number two. It's really great. And he also has started a bunch of nonprofits for uh, for church planting and uh, donate donations for various churches around the world. And yeah, it's pretty cool. So oh, That's awesome. So overall, do you feel like you've been adjusting to the college life pretty well? or Yeah, for the most part. I mean... College is definitely different, but I've kind of adjusted to it pretty quickly, I feel like. Okay. One thing I do want to improve on next next year is to spend a little bit more time uh, doing things with people and growing friendships, because I spent a, like, first semester, I spent a lot of time by myself, maybe being, like, a little bit of a recluse in a way, and working on yo-yo stuff, or playing video games, or doing whatever, and I didn't have very good friendships first semester. And then second semester, I got a lot better at that. I didn't yo-yo as much second semester. I guess I practiced for Seattle, but after that I didn't yo-yo as much later. And like I got a girlfriend and like spent a lot of time with her, but then I realized this semester that I didn't spend a ton of time with other friends. So I want to kind of have as much of a balanced lifestyle as I can for next year. So So besides yo-yoing in your spare time, do you engage in other hobbies or activities or um or would like to? Not a lot. I mean I, I like playing video games, and I've spent some time doing that. Like, I, I didn't bring my PS4 back to college second semester. My parents wouldn't let me because <laughs> mm. my grades weren't very good first semester, which I... is understandable. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they weren't terrible, but they weren't ideal. So, yeah. For the record, I think a PS4 is a good choice of console system. <laughs> I didn't see mine over there, but yes. Oh, yeah, PS4's anyway, great. <laughs> I mean, Xbox, I respect them, but... Yeah. I don't see any yeah. point in uh, getting getting angry at anyone over a console <laughs> when they all play the same games for the most part depends i, I don't depends. know i'll pick fights with people for fun but like, <laughs> i mean i want to get especially i had the xbox 360 and so. then the pc players know that they're okay. the best but they don't want to we just rub them. it in too much <laughs> must be talking to different pc people <laughs> just kidding. okay so last question and then we'll wrap this up and this one might be a bit of a curveball so okay so you mentioned earlier two things one that with yo-yoing, you find it as a way to, as an identity. Uh, yeah. And in another sense, you mentioned you would like Cedarville because of the Christ-like atmosphere, all of that. One of the main themes of chapels this year, oh, and at Cedarville, we attend chapel, <laughs> of chapel this year has been identity and finding identity in Christ. Yep. So what is your balance within that frame of finding your identity in Christ, but also finding it in yo-yoing. Like what's, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it was really, it was actually like pretty amazing how God uh, worked that out in my life. So coming into Cedarville, I didn't bring any yo-yos and I was, I mean, I wasn't like withdrawing or anything, but I was like, uh, I was a little upset that I couldn't yo-yo at all. And I, was having issues just like finding my own identity. So like coming to college, nobody knew that I was the yo-yo guy, like maybe a few people, like maybe just a couple people. And I had the chance to kind of rewrite my own reputation however I wanted to. And I could be myself and people could know me for who I am. And I was, I was excited for that, but I was also scared about that. And I just like, I was having issues like, whoa, like, like I remember at the very beginning at the very beginning of the school year, we were in sting groups, which is where they put little freshmen, like small groups of freshmen together to like force people to talk to each other. And they were like, what's like a hobby that you like to do or thing, a quirky thing that's cool about you. And I actually was planning on not telling anybody about yo-yo stuff my entire time, not having a yo-yo. So I was like, well, what do I enjoy doing? And I was like, uh, running. And then, I mean, I did running in high school, but I was like running. And then other people were like, oh yeah, I like running. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but I, but when I came to chapel and Dr. White was talking about uh, finding your identity in Christ, I was like, whoa, this is this is crazy. And I learned how you want people to look at you and not think of uh, not think of what you do or what your job is or uh, external things like that. But people should see Christ's love in you. So I want people to remember me as being Connor being, oh, yeah, like. I love that guy. He's so kind. He's so generous or whatever, like fruits of the spirit. Will you like whatever you say? And I don't want them to remember, Oh, that guy's an amazing yo-yo or I want them to maybe remember me as a person because of who Christ is in my heart. So yeah, 
yeah, I've, I'm still trying to grow in that. I'm not perfect, but I want to be able to influence people personally and uh, uh, be a good friend to people and uh, not have my identity be found in something external and goofy like yo-yoing. I kind of want people to remember me for um, uh, the Holy Spirit in me and the fruits that I give there. Interesting. So you're saying yo-yoing is a platform in which you can for sure have that shared on yeah for sure i've had a lot of great conversations with yo-yo players even the like the current world champion right now evan nagao like i had an amazing conversation with him at shanghai china last summer for worlds and i mean like i had a nice heart-to-heart connection with him and we talked a lot about things and so like uh just things like that and i mean it's really cool to talk to uh, yo-yo players about whatever and just try to be a good influence and be kind and be encouraging and try to motivate people to be their best and so yeah things like that all right then well thank you very much connor this was a thank nice you. discussion <laughs> uh one last thing so okay. if you have one final piece of advice whether from you got from this conversation or just life in general hmm. what would that piece of advice be hmm well <laughs> you kind of you kind of gave like a sneak peek of this question before the interview started. And I thought of like, Oh, I could talk about this. And then the interview, the interview didn't kind of go in the direction, but I'm just kind of flipped to the other direction. So it doesn't really relate to the interview as much, but a cool piece of advice is like uh, how to be a master at something and how to pursue being skilled at something. And I think a lot of people in life aren't very motivated. They don't set big goals for themselves. They're not very ambitious. They don't, go big or go home type of personality that kind of just like to chill and like do whatever and uh in a mean way say like be losers all the time (laughs) but like it is really amazing to be able to pursue and put time into something and to try to master something and to try to be a champion at something whether literally a champion or to uh accomplish big things in your own life so just a big tip is to just set goals for yourself and do whatever you can to find how can i accomplish that ask people who have succeeded in the same field and uh, do what you can to accomplish that. And a fun tip that my cross country coach always taught us was consistency over time makes champions. So um, the one thing that made me a successful yo-yo competitor is that I consistently practiced for a long time and I was really diligent with it. And I finally am getting the first fruits of that where I'm one of the top players in the U S and in the world. So it's really cool. And uh, whatever you're passionate about, just, um, Try not to be stupid and try to actually look for ways that you can be successful and just pursue that. And it's cool. So, so be consistent. Be consistently ambitious. Yeah. All right. For Thank sure. you, Connor. Any additional no shout outs before we wrap this up? Uh, I mean, yeah, shout outs to SF Yoyos, my sponsor. They're pretty awesome. Sure. SFYoyos.com. They got some sick yoyos. Cool culture. I love it. And shout out to Wade for being dope. So, <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> thank you, Connor. I really appreciate it. And thank you all for listening today. And uh, have a nice day.